This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. My name is Nicholas Meyer, director of Star Trek 2 and 6, and you are listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Oh, my golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Ken Tripp. I'm Haley Stoddart. We're back again. Uh, Sans Zach Moore, he's off uh, enjoying some very, very well-deserved shore leave. Although, I do have to admit, he kind of had that already. I mean, he went to L.A. He got to go to the Paley Center and see all that awesome Discovery costumes and stuff like that. So, I don't know about this. Oh. week can for that for him so uh <laughs> so you're saying he's AWOL as opposed to shore leave because you know that's a pretty steep offense in the uh old starfleet command possibly mm. i mean we'll give it to him again this week uh i am i'm going to be on shore leave here in a couple weeks myself so i guess it's okay but uh so we're going to talk about a character that i actually am really excited to talk about a little bit uh we're going to talk about Scotty. I really like Scotty. He's probably my second favorite character of TOS. But uh, some of his lines that he's he's said in the episodes that are just really completely memorable, I think. And I'm really excited. Uh, what about you, Ken? I love Scotty. How can you not? He, um, he definitely was a character that um, I think brought a lot to the show. Uh, you need a chief engineer. I love the stories in his biography, you know, of how he got the role, how many how many voices he, he did in order to um, settle on the Scottish one being an engineer, which then formed the character. James Doohan, middle name is Montgomery, so you got Montgomery Scott. Uh, worked out, I thought, pretty brilliantly. I've seen him uh, at a convention once back uh, when they were making Star Trek V in Maine. He was there, and he's he was... A real gentleman, uh, funny as all get out, very personable. He, um, you know, I, 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 James Doohan is really brought to life, I think, you know, a, as we say in Star Trek, because what isn't iconic in Star Trek anymore? I guess it's maybe an overused word, but I will tend to use it where it comes to the original series, because without them, all the rest would be nothing. And um, his role, even though, on, as, as we were saying off camera, you know, TNG was trying to do without an engineer and it's like you can't go without an engineer and i think um they really haven't mastered the talent the humor 
um, and just the personality of Montgomery Scott as the role of engineer. In any of the following series, I would say he was probably the most fun. I would agree with you there. I think that it's interesting. Um, we were discussing off mic. I was reading an article in one of the magazines I have. He got a letter from Gene Roddenberry saying, essentially, thanks uh, for you know doing Where No Man Has Gone Before, but we've decided we don't need an engineer. And it's like, but it's a mechanical ship. You need somebody who can fix all of this stuff when things go wrong, which is a lot of plot points throughout Star Trek. Things going wrong and who rescues and saves the day but the engineer. So um, you can't rely on just uh, your scientists to fix things. Well, so. and, well, in TOS you did a lot, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, you did. It's, <laughs> which it's was true. actually just... kind of funny. Which made him, you know, a character who everybody, you know, considered a miracle worker and all that stuff. But there were more than, oh, I don't know, a, a lot of circumstances where, you know, Spock or someone else had to kind of come to the rescue to help save the ship. But he had his, he had, he had his moments, that's for sure. So what do you think about this format we're going to do today? I like it. I think it's very different rather than just discussing points about the character that we like. Um, discussing some of his his lines that he had. I think it's really fun, um, and I hope listeners enjoy it. They can definitely, if we've missed some, please let us know in the comments what ones you like because there's something for everybody, and I think we pick the ones that stand out to us the most aside from the ones that are probably most known. And so I'm really excited about it. Well, thanks. I, I think this will work out well rather than doing a straight biography. This is, you know, we're going to kind of go in order from oldest to newest. Obviously, Haley hit it right on the head. Listeners, your favorite quotes, let us know on the Babel Conference as you go. And Haley, and you're going to kick us off, but remember, you have to do it with a Scottish accent. Oh, I no, I, I wouldn't even try. I know I have some, some Scottish ancestry, but I do not want to offend my Offend? It's supposed to be in listeners. Have you heard Scotty's accent from time to time? What do you mean offend? <laughs> this is true. Uh... But, uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow, okay. She's refusing direct orders. Of course, <clears throat> I have no authority, so you're not refusing anything. So let's have fun with this and, uh, and take it away. What's, what's the first line you want to talk about here? All right. I, I mean, we can't not talk about Scotty without saying, I can't change the laws of physics. I've got to have 30 minutes. This is from TOS and Naked Time. And that line, I cannot change the laws of physics. It's. It's brilliant. Well, you can't. No, you, you can't. Um, uh, however, they did. Well, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Spock did. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, when Riley shuts off the engines and everything goes cold and they're, they're, they're spinning, into the or spinning out of orbit, I guess, and into the atmosphere, um, there, there was obviously a lot of pressure. But the way... Um, I think they utilize Scotty in all these shows is is perfect, right? He always seems to have that right line at the right time. But what mm -hmm. I remember the most about him saying that line, you know, I cannot change the laws of physics. He's, he's talking into the, um, to the communication system back to the bridge, but the look on his face, everything as he was doing it was like, it, it was real. I mean, you could feel the tension. He's like, I, I, I don't, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world uh, for anybody when you feel helpless. And I thought, mm -hmm. I thought he delivered it perfectly, uh, given the circumstance. And then I, I believe, I know the, uh, the listeners will be all over me if I'm wrong, 
you know, that there was a cutaway to, to commercial. So they left you in that suspense where, you know, I've got to have 30 minutes. Boom. <laughs> you know, so what do you do? Yeah. And, and that's right. You know, it is, it's just very tense and you can feel how worried he is because he, I mean, we all know that Scotty loves the ship and you don't insult her. And so I can't imagine being in, in the positions that he is in numerous times where he's got to save the ship and there's pressure and the immense pressure that he has uh, in his field is intense. And you can't change the laws of physics just to try and get out of a situation, <laughs> even though they do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to another one. This one's mm. from uh, Taste of Armageddon, and uh, I, <laughs> I, I like this a lot where he's, he's, he's in an argument pretty much on the bridge. And I, I, I should note that a lot of Scotty's best lines came when he was in charge. So we, we can't forget that he was uh, third in command of the Enterprise, so the third ranking officer on the ship after Mr. Spock, uh, mm-hmm. which was definitely appropriate. Um, and, you know, he did some of his best work commanding the Enterprise. So, anyway. I like when the engineers are in charge. You like when engineers are in charge. Okay, okay. There it is. All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll be talking about Geordi and others in some other time. Um, so, in this line, he says, diplomacy, the best diplomat I know is a fully charged phaser bank. So, that's a warrior's heart if I've ever heard it, right? I think so. And I, I wonder if the writers, based off of his his past and fighting in World War II and everything that he went through, I wonder if that's part of what this line is and what this line represents. And it just shows that he is very, not like quick to the draw, as you would say in like a Western, but you kind of can. What Mm -hmm. do you think on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that um, we don't know a lot about Scotty in his history in the beginning, right? It, it, just like mm-hmm. all the characters, it kind of grows and you get to know them a little bit more. But we know that he was a focused engineer. Um, and so as far as, you know, training and ability and agility uh, of being a starship captain, you know, th- you would say there was a, a very big change from the way TOS was written to the way TNG was written. And, you know, it's even noted in Voyager, you know, that they were a little bit quicker to draw a phaser back in those days. And, and mm-hmm. I think that that's the mindset. You know, they're running. Uh, I know it's a, it's a science vessel as well as a warship, um, but it, it definitely hit the situation there in a taste of Armageddon. If you look at it, I mean, you've got two worlds that are essentially killing each other cleanly, uh, surgically. And, um, you know, just, just a, a very interesting approach to things. But it's the second time we've seen a line like that. Uh, Captain Kirk you know, when he's down on Argania, you know, actually uses the words, you know, I'm a, I'm a soldier, not a diplomat, because uh, mm-hmm. they were at war at the time. So it was, it, it's, it's just kind of the mindset, you know, you got to get things done. And uh, if you want to mess around, we'll mess around. And um, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely um, at the time, a, a pretty, a pretty good line, but it gave us a little insight to how Scotty worked. He's very binary. I, I would agree with you there. I think so. Um, so I'm going to jump into the next one, and this is probably one of my favorite things, and I love the humor that Scotty has. Um, it's not quite the dry British humor, but I, I see how they tried to give him that. So we have TOS Trouble with Tribbles. 
Before they went into warp, I transported the whole kit and caboodle into their engine room, where there'll be no tribble at all. And I just love that. I think that he had the ingenuity to say, eh, I'm just going to transport all these tribbles onto the Klingon ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, Then we're rid of them, and we're rid of the Klingons all at the same time. <laughs> yes, there's a little bit of impish humor with Mr. Scott, and a little bit of getting even. Right, yes. you know, he had he had a bit of a bout with them. He didn't like him at all. Um, well, they insulted the ship. Of course, he insulted the ship, which actually probably was the best line um, and best exchange, and all you know. And it's one that I missed, so I apologize to the listeners because that was classic, as to when he threw the first punch and why, and mm-hmm. Captain Kirk's dismay that it wasn't when they insulted him it was when they insulted the enterprise and you know so that alone was great but uh, it was it was a great ending to a great episode um you know david gerald's line here was absolutely perfect and and well placed i thought so i he did he did a really nice job with it and it, it brought the whole episode into a um yeah it closed the loop i guess but i, I do love the um the run-up to it where it's like yes scotty you didn't you know like he, he was just heartlessness beam them out into space you know, and, and kind of the, the discussions that went before that. So, yeah, it was, again, classic Scotty. And, and more times than you realize, Scotty, um, Scotty brought it home. He did. And, and that's what's really nice. And, and can you imagine if they had decided that they didn't want an engineer? Like, would they have given these lines, given this um, to another character, or would we just not have had it at all? I know it. I know it. It's uh, I'm I'm glad that it was him. And you know, like I said, he, you know, Duan was a well accomplished actor um, before you know, like DeForest Kelly was. And so mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, not only could he pull off you know the, the interesting Scottish accent that he had, um, but you know his mannerisms I thought thought were perfect. Yeah, definitely. All right, ready for the next one. I am. All right, so this one's from a piece of the action. <laughs> I love this line um, because of the way it was delivered, right? You mind your place, mister. You'll be wearing concrete galoshes. I loved that because he's looking so proud of himself. You know, he actually, if I remember, he kind of tilts up on his, on his tiptoes and comes back down because he thinks he's a cool gangster, um, you know, completely flubs it. You know, the guy's looking at him with like he's got two heads. Uh, it was just Again, another great comedic episode with with great lines, fish out of water. Um, but you know, Scotty trying to act like he's cool, and you know, as my as my kids will say sometimes, you know, dad humor. Yeah, and this is one of those episodes that we have Scotty in charge because Kirk and Spock are both down on the planet, and you know, they're in trouble, and so they're trying to figure things out. And I, I love when, you know, they're talking to him through the communicator and Kirk is talking to him and he's just got this look on his face of sheer bewilderment, like, what did you say? And it took him a while to catch on. And then once he did, he kind of probably went a little too, swung too far the other way. But it's so funny and it just fits with the episode that I really like it anyway. So, and concrete galoshes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the scene was in the transporter room when they beamed up one of the bad guys. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I so, think yeah, so. That was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, and I, up. I, Sorry, I would have liked it if he'd said concrete wellies. 
Okay. Okay. Because that's, you know, that's their version of, like, rain boots. They don't call them rain boots. They call them wellies. So, hmm. galoshes, I think, of, like, the waders that my dad would wear when he'd go fishing. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, maybe it, it could be a generational thing, too. I, I, yes. I kind of grew up with... Um, uh, every every once in a while when we put um you know well back then we called them rubbers right the rubber boots which you pulled them over you but uh, they were also called galoshes equally yeah. by my grandparents so i that's that's what i knew it from but my i'll be honest all galoshes. the time i spent <laughs> over there i never heard wellies before in that so that's that's good to know i've learned something thank you <laughs> you're welcome appreciate it <laughs> all right uh so this one's kind of got this next one has a little bit of a tie-in with two episodes so to speak mm -hmm. um so tos by any other name and then kind of paraphrased uh by data in relics which we will get to later mm -hmm. listeners it's uh well it's green <laughs> and you know it's interesting uh the the alcohol colors and drink colors on on the <laughs> star trek was was something interesting so saying it's green and not knowing what else it is um you know we i love scotty when he pulls out a bottle of alcohol it's just fun well he's you know he's he's drunk yes. <laughs> as is the uh i can't remember the um the administ the guy from the mm -hmm. um the empire the, the andromeda galaxy i his name escapes me but yeah I, I just I, I love the whole back and forth but he's gone I mean Scotty is just absolutely gone and he's he's tilting back and forth and I just it's green and how often has we've heard that be mirrored you know anytime you see the color that kind of even enters into my head because that's how mm -hmm. much of a geek I am uh so it is it, it's it's classic and it was neat to see it um be brought up again in relics that was that was kind of neat now wait, isn't he pretending to be like extremely drunk? No, I, I, he thinks he can outdrink him, and he does outdrink okay, him. Right. And then when he gets the device, he passes out because he's too drunk. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. Okay, thank you for refreshing my memory. <laughs> hey, you know, there's 79 episodes. There's a lot to remember here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there is. Okay, so am I up now? I think I am. Right. Yes. So in the Paradise Syndrome, um, when when his beloved engines fail, I, I mean, just they can't pull away from the the pull from Ball, and just the the him going, oh my Barons, my poor Barons, you know, his poor babies. It was um, a, another a, a good line that uh, I've I've mimicked at times. Uh, I know when 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 I've needed repairs, um, or or been in a stressful situation, but. Uh, um, I, th I thought that uh, it was well well delivered for the time, and again, you, you know, highlights Scotty and his pure love for that ship and what they've done to his engines that they couldn't break away. Yeah, and that's that's definitely true, and I I appreciate that he does. I mean, an engineer should love the ship. They they know it inside and out, and um, this this line definitely definitely shows that he just. He loves the ship more than anything. He loves that ship. He does. Okay, on to the next one. All right, so this is from the Enterprise incident. The Enterprise takes no orders except those of Captain Kirk, and if you make any attempt to aboard or commandeer the Enterprise, it will be blown to bits along with as many of you as we can take with us. 
Uh, I find it interesting that he would threaten to blow up the ship <laughs> as much as he loves it. Well, he's surrounded by three Romulan ships. Yes. And, um, you know, obviously they want the Enterprise as a prize. And, uh, you know, his, his message certainly isn't subtle. So, you know, with the, if the Enterprise goes with um, the, uh, just the energy that the matter, antimatter, the warp core will, will generate, it'll take them all out. So it keeps them from boarding or trying to commandeer the Enterprise. And, um, and that, you know he meant it because at this point, he is not in on what Kirk and Spock are doing. So he just knows he's surrounded and that the two of them are on board the, uh, the Romulan vessel. So yeah. he delivered it well. No, he did. And I think that's, again, it points to his character. I, you know, we, again, don't know a whole lot about him, but I think the lines that we do get that are very memorable, like this one, show that, yes, he loves the ship, but he's willing to do what's necessary and what's needed to protect the ship, to protect the crew and everything else um, from people who shouldn't. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay, next line we have is from the Savage Curtain, and it's just, uh, it's just Scotty being sarcastic as always, right? President Lincoln, indeed. No doubt to be followed by Louis of France and Robert the Bruce. So I, you know, it's, I, I believe they're getting ready to be in their dress uniforms and welcome the president on board, but uh, the disdain of Mr. Scott and, and what's, being hap what's happening here, knowing that none of this could be real, um, was, I think, quite... Uh, quite stated to the obvious and um you know i guess he wanted to make sure that the uh the, the captain and mr spock knew how he felt about the present circumstance yeah uh that episode and that line is just funny uh <laughs> i think it just shows he's like really president lincoln <laughs> <laughs> well he wasn't far off right when other historical ca <laughs> characters came and came to life so uh, anyway yeah, yeah it was just it was the way it was said, and you know I, I'm going to tell you that neither Haley nor I are bringing justice to any of this, but we're having a good time. So if you don't like the way we're delivering these lines, please go back and listen to them because you will love them uh, in the shows. Uh, there's different places on YouTube where you can find all this as well. So enjoy. Yes. So I'm actually the next one because it is your favorite film. Mm -hmm. Please, please say the next one. Ah, uh, okay. So. Mr. Scott uh, is greeting Admiral Kirk on the space station just outside of the, um, the space dock. And um, he's, he's already arguing from the second that the Admiral beams aboard that the departure orders are crazy, um, that, that uh, the circumstance is dire. And he just says, you know, Admiral, we've, fin we've just finished 18 months redesigning and refitting the Enterprise. How in the name of hell do they expect me to have me ready for launch in 12 hours? And... Um, you can, you can hear the concern in Scotty's voice. Uh, it's not the way you would normally hear a miracle worker speak, but it just tells you how grave the situation is, how fast they um, are, are adding to the tension of the film at that point because they have this huge thing coming on them. And I don't, he's, he's not familiar with the, the emergency or the, or the hours, but I thought he delivered that line really well and the follow-on line to that after Kirk explains the emergency. Yeah, and and again, you know, it it shows that he's incredibly hardworking, and and wants to make sure things are done right and properly, so that the ship keeps 
working and running <laughs> and not not in some of the later in the films when it's in disarray and they're taking off and he's just you can clearly tell he's in a panic like what are you doing to my ship yeah yeah because we, we really don't um when we see the enterprise we can see that she's pretty much put together but we don't know what phase they're truly mm-hmm. in uh, you know, whether she was supposed to launch, you know, so if they, 18 months, was it supposed to be 24? Are they going six months early, two weeks early? It's it's really hard to say, but now they have to go in 12 hours. And, um, uh, you know, it, it it's it's the way he reflects the reality of the situation that gives us just, okay, what condition the ship is in and, and where it's at. And it's also the big re- setup for the big reveal of the new starship. So it was it was well done, well played. Yes, I quite agree. All right, so the next one, and I'm sorry, fan listeners, I need to watch more Trek back again. Um, so he says, "Give the world at give the <clears throat> give the word, Admiral, Mister Scott. The word is given. Aye, sir. This is from uh, the Wrath of Khan. That's right. So this is where uh, Kirk is inspecting the engine room, and um, he's asking them if the if the ship is ready and can it handle a minor training cruise." And, um, you know, Scott being, Mr. Scott being very confident, give the word, Admiral, you know, and, uh, and when, when he says the word is given, he's, he's all excited. And, you know, the word is obviously warp speed, which is words, uh, but um, it, it follows throughout, you know, it follows throughout, it follows throughout with um, his nephew who gets killed. Same thing. That's his final words is give the word, Admiral. So it's, um, it's kind of a neat phrase that has bigger meaning as the movie goes on. Thank you for refreshing my my memory. No problem. <laughs> I think, like I've said many, many times, that I have seen Star Trek II more than any other movie in history. And, um, yep, I think that uh, a lot of us out there, unfortunately, not something we're proud of, could say every single line, probably even um, in, parath- uh, in parentheses, the thoughts that are happening. <laughs> it's it's a little we scary. All, we all have movies that are like that. Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. But, uh, hey, it's a great Star Trek film. It is. Okay. We ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. So this one uh, is from Star Trek Three. They have just stolen the Enterprise, and the Excelsior has just puttered out behind it. And um, Mr. Scott is giving the um, the data sensors or whatever to, um, to McCoy as one surgeon to another. But the line he uses is actually colloquial. It's, it's, it's used a lot in different ways, but I thought it was very appropriate here. And he, he actually says to, to the doctor, he says, the more they overthink the plumbing, the easier it is to stop up the drain. And it's a, um, it's a common phrase that's used all the time when things break down on sophisticated pieces of equipment because they've over-designed it. And um, there's a lot of truth to that in many, many things. Oh, I definitely would agree to with that. It's I think that's along the lines of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yep. You know, um, and and unfortunately, it happens a lot. I think this is a great line just because it shows probably I think some of his frustration that they keep upgrading the ship and then adding all these components that as an engineer, he's like, why is this here? We don't need this or it's a redundancy in something. And um, I can't imagine what that would be like. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it's um, it's it's interesting because in my line of work, uh, I see this phenomenon quite quite often, where we have a relatively simple process, relatively, 
uh, and then people will come along and they'll add more and more requirements. And so to make what was once a relatively simple part, now it is extremely difficult with, you know, a dozen or more certain aspects to the process that could stop it. And it happens all the time. And it's actually human nature. It really is. We bring mm -hmm. chaos to simplicity instead of bringing simplicity to chaos. Um, that's a Ken Tripp original, by the way, trademark, 615, 2019. And um, so just, just be, just, it, it, it just fits with the whole, um, you know, as, as we move forward uh, with a lot of sophisticated systems, you know, you can build all the computers in the world, but once the Wi-Fi's down, they're no good. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's just interesting to me, right? It is. And, and I see this even with my line of work, you know, with changing different forms and, mm -hmm. and different things. And I'm like, but it was fine beforehand. Leave it alone. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, people, they, they've got to change things and, and people have to stay relevant in their roles and their jobs. And, and so in some cases, they're good and necessary changes. And other times it's like, man, oh, man, uh, you know, it's, it's clear we didn't need this role in our company because all it did was add um, more extreme or, or complicate things instead of simplify, which, mm -hmm. you know, if you're good at your role, in any role that you do, you simplify. Exactly. There we go. All right. Well, I, I forget the context of this one, but I really like this just because it is it is humor. So this was from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. And Scotty's in uh, the turbo lift of the Excelsior says, up your shaft. <laughs> well, this is pretty common. Um, uh, line you hear a lot of times, but again, the context was, you know, he just met um, the captain of the Excelsior, who, who met him in the uh, in the engine in the engineering spaces, and he says, "We look forward to breaking a lot of the Enterprise's speed records tomorrow." And Scotty is, right. you know, not too happy about it, and he's nodding his head, and he's going, "That, that we will, sir, or whatnot." And um, so you know, he's already not in a good mood. He gets on the turbo lift, and the turbo lift speaks. And it just says level, please, you know. And then his response is, it, it gives him the number in the uh, bridge or whatever in a or transporter room, and the 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 the, the, the turbolift actually says thank you, and that's when he <laughs> says up your shaft, you know. So it's it was that's it was clever. It was clever. Um, well done. Again, you know, Scotty does bring a lot of humor to the show, a lot of humor to the movies as well. I I completely agree with you there. Okay. Do you want me to do the next one? Or do sure, you want to go, go ahead, because you only had three lines on the other ones. and um, <laughs> I'm hoping that behind, right, so. the, behind you, the scenes you're going, this is to you, Ken. So anyway, go <laughs> no. on. Uh, so from Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, we've got a few here. I really like this one. A keyboard. How quaint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I love the lead up to it, that he's like, he's looking at this thing and he's got the mouse. Hello, computer. Yeah. <laughs> and that whole scene is just so fun. But then once he starts typing on the keyboard um, and he gets going, it's really fun to watch. But he, the fact that he was just kind of like a keyboard, really? Yeah, yeah. How, how quaint. It's, uh, it, it is funny when we come along things that are, are older and in our arrogance, you know, just kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, how quaint. For, but for the time, mm -hmm. fairly modern. But, yeah, that, that was a great line. And, you know, Star Trek Four had so many great lines for all the characters that, uh, you know, that to, to bring in the humor or, or, or to increase the drama. 
and you know it was nice to see Scotty had had quite a few of that. It was nice to have Scotty just on a little adventure on his own with Bones, you know, and yes. uh, and Sulu. So that 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 in itself was different because it kind of broke up the big three, and it became you know Kirk and Spock, and then uh, other groups of two or three. So it was it was neat mm-hmm. the way they did it. Okay, so I'm up next. Okay, so the next one is also from Star Trek IV. Um, this is when they're uh, on the Klingon uh, planet, so it's not it's not in order of how things happen, but he's on the Klingon planet, and they want to get the ship uh, ready to get back to Earth. And, um, and Kirk is asking him when they can go, and his line is, Give me one more day, sir. Damage control's easy. Reading Klingon? That's hard. So they got the bounty up and running. Just, uh, you know, a, a pretty direct and, and, and easy um, line to give, but does is just showing the struggles that he's having navigating the ship and trying to figure out Klingon as he goes. Yeah, and I, I couldn't even imagine. Uh, I know I have friends that know Klingon and speak it, but for, for Scotty, someone who's grown up in this era of, you know, we're not friends with the Klingons, so they only know what they know. To have to be the engineer of a Klingon ship to get them back home pretty difficult all right so i want to go back to something you just said you actually know people who can speak klingon like fluently speak it uh yes there's a couple uh they actually for and i'm sure you've met them they go to stlv Mm -hmm. and they do lursa and bator oh yeah they translate uh and do klingon karaoke night and they translate songs from english to klingon and practice them Oh my goodness! Okay, that's incredible. Yes. Incredible. I know. Yes, yes. I, I... And I know a few other people. Um, for listeners, if you're really big on Klingons and you ascribe to Klingon, uh, you can actually do a Klingon through, I believe, Rosetta Stone. No. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, like I said, you know, everybody knows Kapla and a few yes. lines here and there, but uh, I was like, oh. Okay, and and yep. I always thought because I, 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 I do remember that on the Big Bang Theory when you know asked if they were bilingual and one of them spoke Klingon, you know that was a pretty funny line. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't realize. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. I, besides, was it Mark Okrand who who came up with the language himself that there's actually people that speak it. I guess yeah. I guess I knew there were people that did. I guess I didn't realize you knew or that by extension I knew anyone who could do it so thoroughly. That's wow okay it's pretty intense it's really awesome i think they're just because there's enough out there that they can compile the language together Mm -hmm. Uh, i would love it if we could do it for vulcan but there's just not enough so yeah yeah okay well i I know you can speak it but we're just going to keep that confidential (laughs) all right so the next one is also from star trek 4 uh this one needs no lead up admiral there be whales here yep we all know it. It's great. Um, I love the sheer joy and delight on Scotty's face when he's he's made this container for the whales and they beam him on board and he's so excited about it. Makes you excited about it. It does. Awesome. It does. It's a it's a it's a great um, connection point. You know, right after they get away from the pirates and they're about to head back to well Earth in the twenty third century. But yeah, it was it was very nautical too. And uh, I, I kind of like that aspect of it. So I, I agree with you. Yes. All right. The next one um, from that brilliant film, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. 
don't get on me. I know there's a lot of people out there that love Star Trek Five. All right. I like Five. I, we did We've a whole show on Five. We've done many <laughs> shows on Five. We want to bring AJ in here to play um, Cybok using Sean Connery's accent, which he does brilliantly. Mm-hmm. And there are aspects of Five I really like, and then there's aspects of it that really let me down. But yeah. this was one of them that let me down. Um, I know this ship like the back of my hand, and then bang, he knocks himself unconscious. And in my opinion, the the aspect of this movie that let me down was the comedy wasn't natural, right? It mm-hmm. was an element added to it because they were so much trying to marry up to the success of Star Trek IV um, and have the kind of tension and exciting adventure that you need that it just became slapsticky, And... Um, you know, I, I, like I've told all of you listeners in an episode not that long ago that I myself have knocked myself out on a ship, um, bagging on pipes, uh, very different circumstance. So I know it can happen, uh, but it shouldn't happen to Scotty. That, that's just me. But anyway, a lot I, of people love that. They love the line and they, they love the, the next piece. I don't know. You love the movie. Did it? You, you reflect differently? I agree with you on this part and this. I like the line because, yes, Scotty would know the ship like the back of his hand, but the sheer banging his head and and falling down, I didn't enjoy. And I also didn't enjoy that, I, weren't they passing that off as he was in a Jeffrey's tube, but man, he sure could walk upright in that Jeffrey's tube? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a Jeffrey's tube. It was definitely um, uh, a maintenance area. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it wasn't on, it was offside of the main deck. So, um, but you're right. You know, there was a lot of piping and things, and and it could happen. Uh, it just, like I said, it was uh, the attempt at humor there. I think it worked for a lot of people. It just didn't work for me. It's okay. Who am I? Right. Just <laughs> that's all. All right. Yeah. All right. So the next one uh, comes also from Star Trek Five, and I actually like this line. U.S. Enterprise Shakedown Cruise Report. I think this quote-unquote new ship was put together by monkeys. Oh, she's got a fine engine, but half the doors won't open, and guess whose job it is to make it right? Uh, yeah, poor Scotty <laughs> trying to put this ship together and fixing it, and oh, it, I just felt for him. I, it's almost like Miles with all of the stuff when they first get to Deep Space Nine, and he's just running ragged, trying to get everything fixed, and it seems like apparently everybody just keeps asking him and nobody else, and so it's just poor Scotty. He's just left to fix all this stuff and make it right, and and you just, I feel for him. Yeah, well, you know, there's also the line in there where they say they don't think he's ever been happier because he's so so needed but you mm-hmm. know the ship's condition all of that stuff with you know he's the uh, the first voice we hear and kind of the first characters we see uh when getting back to the enterprise itself right so we've got the uh, the big three down on 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 the planet you know at yosemite doing their thing but this was the introduction to you know the slapsticky uss enterprise um, you know, here's, here's my beautiful ship and it's, you know, it's a joke. Um, mm-hmm. it's a clown car. And, and unfortunately, Mr. Scott is the one in charge of putting it all back together. And, you know, he'll, so he's telling us, oh, the engine's fine. Right. Which was always the opposite. Everything else worked, but they yeah. always struggled with the engines and warp speed. But now, you know, so you've got this incredible, um, 
ability to travel, uh, you know, a hundred times faster than the speed of light, but the doors won't open or this won't happen, which when you think about it, a spacefaring vessel, that's pretty scary that all those systems are failing or whatnot. As much as they make light of it, it's, you know, it, it certainly wasn't in any condition to, to, um, to get underway. It also didn't make sense that there was less than a skeleton crew on board. But I'm getting into Star Trek V. The line was fine. It was the it was the introduction to the to like I said to that section of the movie, um, and it it honed us in pretty quickly just in how rough shape the uh, the ship was in. Mm-hmm. And I I definitely don't think I would go aboard a ship that the engines were fine but everything else wasn't. Nope. I'd go aboard one where the, everything else was fine and maybe the engines weren't, but not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we move on to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And I left this quote here because I think it's an important, it's an important quote for the wrong reason. And this mm-hmm. is, um, you know, after Kirk has gone aboard and, 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 and the doctor's gone aboard the Klingon ship and they've, they've been arrested. And they're talking about the whole scenario. And, uh, and Scotty's line is, I'll bet that Klingon bitch killed her father. And that is one of a few other lines by other characters within the show that really pulled me out of who the characters are, who they, what we believe they to be, who, who, you know, and brings us all kind of backwards. Um, even given the gravity and the emotion of the situation, um, I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of when anybody calls anybody a bad name like bitch or bastard or anything. And I think it's very degrading. And um, I don't believe that this is Scotty. And I think that uh, Denny Martin Flynn and Nicholas Meyer, who wrote this script, essentially, they made some big mistakes. As much as I love the movie, I really don't like what they made our characters say. And I wish the characters had fought harder to not say certain things. And this is one of them. Yeah, I would agree with you there. This definitely... Even as he's gotten older, I can't picture Scotty saying something like this. Um, no matter the circumstances or, you know, age or anything like that. I mean, you can take a look at, oh, now I'm forgetting the episode, uh, title I'm bad at that. The, essentially the Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. episode. Devil where in he's, the Dark. You know, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's, not, that's not it either. Yeah, sorry. Go on. <laughs> See, no. Um, you know, even when he's, that episode is a Scotty-centric one, and he's being accused of murder and things like that, even then his character did not turn and and basically do this three, this Wolf 180 the on who he is. Yes, Wolf in the Fold. Thank Duh. you. Don't be me. Um, and so I agree with you there. This was very not Scotty at all. I don't think it's Star Trek. I don't think no, it's Star Trek. I don't, I don't think the uh, any of the characters would talk that way. Uh, I don't. I don't think there would be degradation of of women, uh, Klingon or not. And that's Mm-mm. that's why it, it's always bothered me because uh, it's and and I'll be honest. Like I said, I know I'm a bit of a prude when it comes to certain things and other things I'm not. But um, I, I don't even like it. You know, and you can you see it on primetime TV all the time too. You know, those, oh, that bitch or whatever. And it's like I I, I don't like that stuff. I really don't, um, and I, I prefer we didn't do it in our own timeline. I certainly don't want them doing it, so end of speech. Yeah. Okay, we've killed that uh, one. <laughs> we did, but we're going to move on to an episode that I think 
TOS and TNG fans like. Uh, it's definitely one that I enjoy. And so these next several quotes all come from TNG episode Relics. And this has got some really great ones. So the first one here we've got NCC 1701. No bloody A, B, C, or D, mind you. Um, and I think this is just classic. <laughs> it is at the time. Um, poor Mr. Scott is not treated very well, uh, I don't think. Again, it's funny how you watch Star Trek and then you, you see how some characters get written and they're consistently, you know, um, pretty good in character and so forth. Although I know there's been a lot of talks about Geordi being a jerk um, and having that, that way about him sometimes. Uh, but here's a guy who feels very lonely, very out of place, because he is, uh, wanting to see his old ship. And mm -hmm. I think I can speak for folks. Um, as you get older, you do become more nostalgic. Uh, you do miss certain things in your life. And you wish you could recreate them and uh you know just the way he's talking to the computer about wanting to see the enterprise and the way he's he's the way he's even talking to the um uh, to the computer about what he's looking for was was pretty funny you know and she asked for more information about what what exactly you know there were seven starships or six stars or whatever it was with that with that name so mm -hmm. it was it was pretty cool yeah and I, I know as a Jordy fan, I get a lot of flack uh, from people because of this episode, because of his treatment towards Scotty. Mm -hmm. But I think he redeems himself at the end. And I love the kind of relationship that they, that they get together because they're engineers. They love their ship so much. Um, it's just hard at first. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's why I say I, I, sometimes the writers do crazy things um, and they, they take their these characters that are well-established and they pull them out and you go, that's that's not who they are. And mm -hmm. um, even under tension, stress, duress, I know we have uh, our patience can get can get short, but um, yeah, Jordy was over the top. But you're right, they, they bring him around. Yep. All right, so the next line was, I've spent my whole life trying to figure out crazy ways of doing things. I thought that was a nice synopsis of Mr. Scott's career uh, as a miracle worker, as trying to figure things out and fixing things. And, you know, yeah, just just a, a cute line that, um, you know, kind of says one of the things that's unique about Star Trek is uh, in most of this series, not all. But when you're really out there on your own, you have to find innovative, crazy ways. I mean, think of Dr. McCoy and the number of cures he had to come up with <laughs> throughout the shows. And it's the same, you know, for Crusher and the rest. I mean, they, they have to keep coming up with innovative ideas to fix things because they are out on their own and they're limited to the technology they have on, you know, within their, within their hands. Uh, and, and I thought this is just a, a nice kind of a mentoring speech, like this is nothing new and this is the stuff mm -hmm. we do as engineers. Exactly. And I, I like that line. I also like this next one uh, that he says, starship captains are like children. They want everything right now and they want it their way. The secret is to give them what they need, not what they want. Uh, and this is when he's talking with Jordy and, you know, about handling captains because Jordy's kind of in that same situation that Scotty's been in a lot with Kirk throughout TOS and the films in that, you know, they're being asked something in a situation and it's, they're under some pressure and stress or time crunch or whatever it is. And it's like, 
okay, but <laughs> I can't give it to you exactly how and when you want it. I think it is great advice. Great advice, uh, a great analogy, and um, it, it, it's, it's a home run line. It really is, um, especially when you're under pressure, you know, and <laughs> as, as we all learn, you know, that you, 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 don't, you don't magnify the, you know, the, uh, the timelines by a factor of four. How else can you keep your reputation as a miracle worker? All the, the, there were a lot of lines in relics, and uh, as we were saying off mic, that the one thing about this episode is when you have a main character, or I should say a supporting character as the main character, he has a lot more lines. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, 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 Scotty didn't have a ton of lines in any of the movies or the shows. I mean, a, a ton. Uh, but in this episode, because it was all about him, uh, I think the writers did a really good job of taking, you know, a, an older seasoned veteran, um, you know, at first kind of being a little bit of a nuisance, but not, you know, not because he wanted to be, who wants yeah. to share his stories and adventures, but nobody wants to listen to him. So it makes him a very sympathetic character. And then at the end, he's the wise old captain giving the new guy great advice. It comes full circle. Yeah, and and that's something I find I would have been so excited to have seen Scotty that I would have said, yes, I let's go to 10 forward and you can sit and tell me all your stories. But that's just me and that's who I am. So uh, I very much related to him in this episode and the struggle he was having where he just, he did, he just wanted to sit down with someone and chat and and talk about how things had changed. So... Yeah, yeah, it was it was an underwritten role, I think, for Troy, where mm-hmm. I think that um, she could have been a much bigger part of the show, in yes. in many aspects, and and kind of helped both sides kind of bridge that gap, uh, and mm-hmm. you know she does to a degree, but it's not it's not to the level it could have been. I agree. Okay, so you read the last one, right? Okay, so where mm-hmm. are we? All right, so we have synthetic Scotch, synthetic commanders. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, uh, I I love that line a lot. I thought that was that was brilliant when he when he met Data, and um, you know was when he was being explained about Synthahall and what and what that is, yes. which sounds so boring. Um, but you know I think putting the two together in the context was was pretty funny, and the way he does it kind of as an aha moment. You know, well synthetic guys. You know, it's just like there's a lot of things that aren't real anymore. Yeah, I totally I like that one. All right. Uh, I may be captain by rank, but I never wanted to be anything else but an engineer. And I think that's exactly who who Scotty is. I don't think there was a better last line to give for this podcast talking about Scott uh, than that one, right? Well, Scotty and his adventures aren't the only things we're talking about on Trek FM. Here is what is happening elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm. Earl Grey. Yeah, this is the part where I put in my notes. Well, this is a nice after school special. Like, <laughs> after school it, special. <laughs> you know, it just sort of wraps just up everything. <laughs> Primitive culture. A look at history and culture through Star Trek. You know, imagine if that had have happened in the next generation in season two that suddenly you'd had 
you know, an older Spock turn up and you'd had Scotty come through his Dyson Sphere or whatever and then old McCoy's rattling around and they take over and they're basically the front... They come to hijack the Enterprise They come to again. hijack the Enterprise, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, Spock goes... Yeah, Spock goes, we're going to we're going to recover Captain Kirk from the Nexus or whatever, you know? And, and imagine that. Imagine if it becomes that. I mean, you'd be watching it thinking, what is going on? Literary Treks. There's some really great artwork in these that I, you know, I don't think we, we give it enough praise for that. I almost want to take that panel and remove all the lightning and the pizzazz and all that stuff out of there and just <laughs> put them in a disco room and it would almost look like they're dancing. Yeah, it's just a Star Trek dance party, like Kirk's practically dabbing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Warp 5. The first joke in the film that I thought was truly funny was the long-distance call that he was getting from Lon Chaney's character, and he's turning into the wolfman on the phone, right? And the guy is like, why are you calling long-distance just to have your dog bark at me on the phone? It's like, I I think that's a great line. I think it's really funny because it's like, you can't see what's going on. Because long distance in that day and age would have been like freaking expensive, right? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels, along with all of the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions and support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. You can find me on Twitter at Trekkie01D. You can also hear me talking about both Discovery and the Orville over on the Fandom Podcast Network's Discoville podcast that drops every week. 
So thanks for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.